Welcome to the Rosenbox, where dancers go for show prep and candid chat. I'm Claire Kretschmar, and I'm Aron Sands, and we are dancers with New York City Ballet. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Rosenbox. I'm here today to talk to you about getting promoted, what it means to be promoted at New York City Ballet. And to do that, I will be having guests Megan Fairchild and Isabella Lafreniere join me to have a lovely discussion about the joys and also the challenges of becoming promoted to the highest rank at New York City Ballet. And I know we've touched upon this in a past episode, I think years ago, but I wanted to just go over the ranks again because we have four different ranks in the company, starting with your apprenticeship year. That's like the bottom of the totem pole. You're kind of an intern at New York City Ballet being tested to see if it fits. And then you have your corps de ballet role, the rank where you do a lot of the group dances. Sometimes you get to do more featured roles to see also, again, how you perform when you do something more in the spotlight. And then when you have done a significant amount of featured roles and kind of proven yourself, really, you move up to the rank of soloist. And as a soloist, you do the featured roles pretty much on a regular basis. You don't do so many of the group dances. And then when you, again, kind of prove yourself to have a greater mastery of a number of featured roles in New York City Ballet, then you move on to the rank of principal dancer. So today we're going to be talking with two principal dancers at New York City Ballet. One, Megan Fairchild, who has been a principal dancer for a long time. And then Isabella Lafreniere, who was recently promoted to principal dancer just about a month ago, I believe. So without further ado, we are going to welcome them to the Rosenbox. Thanks for coming to the Rosin Box. I'm here with Megan Fairchild and Isabella Lafreniere, and we're going to talk about getting promoted to principal dancer, which is a huge feat at New York City Ballet. So could you guys mm -hmm. share with us when you joined New York City Ballet as an apprentice, and then just briefly describe like what your promotion progress was like, like when you were promoted through the ranks, and then when did you land at principal dancer? You want to start first, Megan? I guess since I'm older, I'll go first. <laughs> Senior yeah. principal dancer. So I joined as an apprentice when I was 17. It was 2001. Then the next year I was a choir member. And in my second year of being in the choir, I got promoted to soloist. Wow, that's quick. If I'm doing the math right, it was 2004. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's good math. And then... Um, you have a math degree, right? I know. We were, everyone should know. <laughs> we we took math Greek class. math at yep, Fordham together. And we survived it. <laughs> yeah, that was really the worst class I've ever It was hard. It was challenging. Yeah. Um, and then less than a year later, I got promoted to principal. So when I got promoted so in 2005, less than a year, like I got promoted to soloist in like February 2004. And in January of 2005, I got promoted to principal and so it was just exciting at first and then completely like life-changing devastating because of just being completely overwhelmed yeah and I went into survival mode of how to process all of this responsibility without anyone yet knowing that I could do it mm. my boss 
believed in me that I should be promoted and could do these things, but I didn't yet have much rep. Mm -hmm. And so everything I was given, I was most, I did, what did I do before I got promoted to principal? I got third movement Bizet's principal. I did like false fantasy, Tarantella and Coppelia. Basically, principal roles. Principal them, roles. Yeah. And that was all I had under my belt that people had seen of me. And so imagine being in the company where there's all these other core members and soloists who were like, who is this person and why does she deserve that? I felt that pressure. Mm-hmm. And then even the critics and the audience, it was like everything that I did after that was like, well, let's see if she's worth it. Mm-hmm. Let's see if she's got it. I felt that in my reviews. I felt that, you know, I had to go out there and do my first theme and variations. That was like the first task I was given as after being promoted to principal. And I I had no faith in myself except for the fact that my boss thought I should do it. Mm-hmm. And that was a really rough experience. And I later told him, I don't know if that was a good thing. <laughs> like, I don't know if that served me. I survived it. But, mm-hmm. like, someone else m- might not. Like, it was... It was a, I went to a yoga retreat. I like, I was just barely scraping by. But it was exciting, you know? It's like a happy thing. How can you, so I was at the yoga retreat. They're like, <laughs> everyone else there was like divorced and like going through a life change like that. And they're like, why are you here? And I'm like, I got promoted. <laughs> so I, it was like, it was like yeah. dumb. It was a happy thing. But for me, it was just a little too early. I wasn't yet ready to be always in the front. I still felt like I had stuff to watch and learn. And I was already just like, thrown out there just like so so that was my journey and I've just (laughs) taken all this time since then to figure out me and Mm -hmm. what is good enough for me and what my standard needs to be as a principal dancer it took just many years to just get comfortable with that rank I was promoted when Wendy and Kira were principals still and that was just like such an absolute Mm -hmm. joke to me you know I was 20 yeah no I had just come to New York four years before so that was shocking. And let's hear Isabella's experience because I... <laughs> wait, so how long have you been a principal dancer at New York City Ballet? Um, 18 years. Wow. I know. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, like an old... That's longer nerd. than I was in the company. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know. It's shocking. That's amazing. It's shocking. Yeah, and I, and I know, I hear you though. It comes with, it's like really exciting and amazing, but then it comes yeah, with I'd say the, first, the responsibility the first and weight. Yeah. Two to three years were like, I was a little bit in a state of emergency, like mental health situation, like just like constantly overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And then I started to to be like, oh, I have something to offer here. Oh, I can see some consistency. And once I started to see that, it was like, I got this. But at first, it was really like major imposter syndrome experience. It was very, very overwhelming. And I got promoted, you know, to kind of like be a partner to Joaquin, who was like Mm. nine years older than me. Mm -hmm. Nine years, yeah. So it made sense for those reasons, but... um, it was still a, a difficult Ruined. thing to experience. Yeah. It was a lot. Yeah. 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 And Isabella, how about you? What what has been your journey like so far uh, from let's apprentice see to principal? Yeah. So I joined the company in 2013 as an apprentice. I was 17, fresh out of SAB. Um, I was an apprentice for a year, got into the core. I was in the core for several years. I want to say eight years. And then 
COVID happened, injuries happened. I grew up <laughs> mm-hmm. a lot. And then after COVID in January of 22, I was promoted to soloist and then just recently promoted to principal. So the soloist to principal year was pretty fast, but yeah. I had a lot of time in the core to kind of grow and develop as a mm-hmm. dancer learn what my weaknesses are from injuries, uh, which was super important. I think that perhaps there were weaknesses that I always had and I needed to address. And as unfortunate it like it felt early on to be getting opportunities and missing opportunities due to injuries, I think it was a really good learning experience and it helped me have gratitude for what we do. Having it being taken away from me so young at such a um, inflection point in my career, you know, the first time I was cast to do Firebird and my back went out and I couldn't do Firebird. The second time I was cast to do Rubies after I came back from my back injury, my foot broke and I just felt like I couldn't catch a break. And I felt like I was in this cycle that was so frustrating for a couple of years. And, you know, I doubted whether my body was physically fit for this job. I didn't know if, you know, I had what it took to do the demands of this career. And so I doubted myself for a while, but day by day, with the help of like many physical therapists, gyrotonics, who Megan and I both went to, um, Pilates instructors, you know, I slowly gained my strength. I slowly figured out how to strengthen, you know, my weaknesses. And I came back and then COVID happened and Mm. I couldn't believe it. You know, this time it felt a little bit better because it was out of my control. Mm And everybody was out with you. And everyone was out with me. I didn't have that, yeah. you know, fear of missing out mm-hmm. FOMO situation. I knew that we were all in it together. But I think COVID, as scary as it was, you know, all of us weren't accustomed to taking so much time off. I had taken a year off before and I knew that I came back and I was okay. So we didn't know how long we were going to be out for. But I think I had comfort knowing, you know, I've been here before. I've been out for a year you can do this again. And so as difficult as it was, I think I found comfort in the fact that I had been there not once, not twice, but three times. So yeah, it's been a journey (laughs) to say the least. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and what both of you are describing are the, the hurdles that are like just born to happen when Mm -hmm. you're trying to achieve a great height in Mm -hmm. any kind of field, I would say. And as exciting as it is to like, you know, if you read the news, like promotion to principal dancer, like, yay, yay, so exciting. There's always a backstory mm-hmm. yeah. behind that. And it's not always like rainbows like, and butterflies. No, it's not <laughs> rainbows and butterflies. Yeah. And I think that that even makes it more beautiful to hear that, people. you know, no, no one really gets anything super easily. Mm-hmm. But then you can still have gratitude for the thing that you achieve mm-hmm. when you get there. And even gratitude for the hardships, too, because they teach you something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but before we get into some of these like harder things, which are great and wonderful um, for their truth, Mm -hmm. could you tell us what was your promotion story? Like, what was it like to get the message or the email or have the conversation when you were promoted to principal dancer? And yeah, what was going through your head at that time? (laughs) Megan, we'll start with you. Yours was like just a month ago. (laughs) Um, Mine was um, obviously a promotion that Peter Martin's orchestrated, and he liked to have a little fun with it. And I don't know what they were planning, but I gave them good bait. 
And Russell Kaiser, one of the rep directors, came to my dressing room and was like, Peter would like to see you after the show. And, like, I had bronchitis then. I was just, like, stopping by to, like, grab something. Like, I was, like, really sick. I remember there was a blizzard outside. It was, like, two feet of snow outside. None of the cars were able to move. It was just, like, this really specific day in my head. And he was like, Peter wants to see you after the matinee. And I was like, oh, is it about the tutu? And he goes, what tutu? And I had just come back from a Nutcracker gig where I lost my Nutcracker tutu on the layover. (laughs) I got on the red eye from Hawaii and the flight attendant was like, would you like to put it in our little coat closet here? And I was like, oh, lovely. And then I got on my plane in LA and I was like, I forgot to get the tutu. So it was never to be found again. It was a yellowed, gross thing. But nevertheless... A mm-hmm. rental, Tutus old rental tutu from New York City Ballet. Truly, they would never rent something out this dirty or disgusting <laughs> at the, today. But they seemed to take care about this back then. And I was going to have to pay, like, thousands of dollars. And it was going to slowly come out of my paycheck. And I, I was, like, trying to call the air. Anyways, it was a nightmare. And I didn't know how much trouble I was going to get and how much responsibility they were going to make me take. And, you know, it was an accident. And so, anyways, I told Russell the whole story. <laughs> and he was like, oh. Yeah, well, okay, we'll see you after the matinee. <laughs> and then I go to the meeting, and Joaquin's there, and Joaquin Deleuze, and he was on the gig with me. So I was like, oh, my God, it's about the tutu, because they're, like, making him be responsible mm. for me. That He was there on the gig with me, and I forgot my tutu. So we go into the room. I'm sure Joaquin knew what it was, because he was older. He was in his late 20s and, you know, confident and, ex- and hoping for that, at least, you know, promotion. And Peter goes, so I hear there's a story about the tutu. And I was like, yeah. And so I start telling the story. And Rosemary was there, too. And I was like, why is Rosemary here? And they all start kind of, like, smiling after I'm like, and then I left it on the plate. And, like, they're, like, all, like, laughing. And, like, so I kind of chuckled with them. And then finally Peter goes, that's not why you're here. You're being promoted. (laughs) And I was like, what? Like, we really delved into this tutu story. And I did not see a promotion coming so quickly anyways. And Mm. I must have said, what? for like the next hour and like you know Peter and Joaquin have a good pat on the back and I'm just like in shock and then Joaquin and I walk down the hall together and I'm still in shock and he's like all happy and I'm like what the hell just happened and and I never had to pay for the tutu wow so they let it go and and now they rent you the real deal and it's beautiful and it's yeah. not that I meant to lose it let's be clear of course not but it wasn't cute anyways, so I did them a favor. <laughs> but, yeah, that was my story. He, do, he used to do a lot of stuff like that. He used to say it was the highlight of his job was wow, to um, promote people. making people's day like that. You know, it's yeah. not always yeah. that you give good news. And so he really tried to enjoy those moments and make them something special. I know a lot of different stories he had with people's promotions that he had yeah. fun with. <laughs> yeah, I remember witnessing some, too, when yeah. he was around. Yeah, it was always very exciting yeah. and spontaneous. Un- un- spontaneous and unexpected, too, yeah. you know? Yeah. yeah, I was I was in shock. I mean, I wasn't even dancing then. I had bronchitis. I was, like, homesick. Right. But you did the matinee. No, I was right? there to get something. Or maybe I took oh. class. I was, like, trying to oh, take class. Oh, really? Oh, I assumed you had the show. No. Oh, oh okay. so you are like, I can barely <laughs> Yeah, and then I was like, I mean, I was like, I could, I could barely like breathe, and I was trying to get home in this blizzard, and I got in a cab, like so elated, like on cloud nine, and the car stopped, like the taxi stopped, like two blocks away, and I was like, that's okay, I'll walk home, and I remember I could barely breathe, and I walked like fifteen blocks all the way to seventy sixth street, and I was so happy, and And it was just a blizzard of like two feet of snow, and it was just the best day ever, and you were better the next morning, yeah, bronchitis was gone, yeah, yeah, we were feeling good. Who yeah. was the first person that you told? 
I saw Sterling in the girls' core dressing room, Aww. and we ended up being dressing roommates for many, many years as principals, so it was a for, fortuitous moment, mm-hmm. and it was... I, I wasn't supposed to tell anyone yet because they were promoting other people oh, that I day. Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. And so I was, like, bursting. I was like, Sterling, I made a principal. Oh, my God. Was Sterling <laughs> that, a principal that at that point? She wasn't even a soloist. Oh, oh wow. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sterling's younger oh, than me. Yeah. And and truly, like, I got pushed faster than anyone's been pushed. It was crazy. It was not the norm at all. Mm-hmm. So she was still, you know, had yet to do Romeo and Juliet and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. she was just barely in the company. I mean, she came in a year after me. So it was like, I mean, it was still, like, just ridiculous. Yeah. Wow. The the quickness yeah. of it. Looking the flurry back of is, your... Is, is, was a flurry, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially yeah. since that was two decades ago. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the blizzard was all just a part of that story, exactly. you know? The exactly. flurry. Yeah. Whirlwind flurry, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Isabella, how did it happen for you, the promotion from soloist to principal? Yeah. Um, it was fairly recent. So we had just finished our last performance of Sleeping Beauty, and it was my second show of Aurora. And after the performance, you know, you usually gather backstage and you review the performance. And I was with my partner, Peter, at the time, and John and Katie and Wendy. And we were just kind of going over how the performance went, which is pretty typical afterwards. And, you know, just coming down from that high of a performance, let alone like it was a full length, which is mm-hmm. a different journey than just, you know, what we're accustomed to here at New York City Ballet with, you know, short 30-minute yeah. Balanchine, New Works, Robins. I was in a emotional spot of just finishing a full length, and I was just also happy because my first show wasn't amazing, so the second show, it felt a lot better, and I was just happy that the second show went better and, you know, just celebrating that. And after discussing with them, you know, John had pulled me aside and said, like, I just want to talk to you for a second. I said, okay, yeah, no problem. And he pulled me to the other group of dancers that had also been promoted, Mira and Emily and Roman. And he said, you know, you've all been dancing so well. I'd like to promote you to principal. And for me, I was still on the performance high. Like, I was pretty shocked. And I was still processing the performance. So I started crying right mm-hmm. away because... It was just an emotional moment, and obviously it's something you've worked for your entire life. So I remember just being emotional. I went to my dressing room, and I knew my family had come to the performance, so they were here as well, and I just wanted to tell them as soon as possible, and I knew that they were waiting by the stage door, and I was so nervous that other dancers were going to come out and potentially tell like one of my family Aww. members. So I was like, I just have to get out as fast as possible, but I was, like, still tired. Like, I had yeah. my stuff down in the principal dressing room. I needed to bring it back up to my dressing room. I was just trying to organize myself and do everything as fast as I could and it was also the last day of season where we had to pack out wow and so I was just like you know what I'm just gonna leave my stuff here I'm gonna get ready take my makeup off go outside and tell my family so I can tell them like the good news so I left my stuff there changed went outside and you know my family was there and they were all cheering because I you know they were there for the performance they're like congratulations you know you did a great performance and I was like oh and I hugged everyone said hello and then afterwards, I said, and I've been promoted to principal. And they all started cheering. And, like, my mom and sister started crying, too. Oh, so wow. it was really special to share that moment with my family because had it been any other time, you know, it, they may have wow. not been there. And they have helped me through, mm-hmm. you know, this long, long journey so, yeah. so much. So it was really special to share in that moment together. And a memory we'll never forget. So, yeah. yeah wow. That's, like picture perfect yeah really that yeah that promotion day yeah like, it couldn't have been better timing yeah, <laughs> honestly yeah. to be with family and to I'm share chuckling that because moment when I called my mom 
and told her, she went, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> hey, why? <laughs> it just happened too fast. And she oh. was like, stressed out from all of the new responsibility. And I was like, oh, mom. Like, I was still, like, you know, not wanting to recognize how, how hard it was going to be right away. She was like, oh, no. <laughs> Opposite response than you were hoping to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a good jumping point, actually, because I'm curious, like, what are the biggest changes from soloist to principal, if there are any? Because I know that when you're a soloist, you're already doing all of the featured, or not all of them, but you're doing featured roles. And then you go to principal dancer where you just do, like, solely featured roles, mm-hmm. maybe more regularly. Or maybe more infrequently, I don't know, because yeah. you're at the bottom of the principal status at the beginning. It depends on who's above you at that moment in yeah. time. When I was promoted, there was a couple years where, you know, I, I had not much rep for a while, and they kept having me do Tarantella with a different guy every night. I <laughs> 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 had, like, three Tarantella partners in one season and did it, like, six times. <laughs> but then, pretty quickly, Miranda Weiss left and Alexandra Antonelli left, and so then, you know, I, I had a lot to do. But right off the top of my head, I would say the difference between soloist and principles like soloist you're still on your own individual journey proving where you can go with yourself and once you become a principal it's like you're setting the standard for the company and when you step on stage you're representing the height of what the company's trying mm-hmm. to achieve mm-hmm. and you're carrying on the legacy of all of the principles that came before you and did those roles so when you're still like a core member or a soloist, it's not like you're like getting to put your stamp on it so much as when you're a principal, it's like, no, this is the new era. This is the new way we're doing this. And so you want it to be living up to those amazing moments of the past and you feel that pressure. I, that's how I felt like more of being part of a legacy instead of your own individual journey. Can I do this? Can I make this happen? And then it turns into what everything New York City Ballet stands for. When you wow. step out there. Yeah. And and then with all of that, would you say that it's more pressure then to be a principal dancer than or well, do you, you know, it's feel just very, more very hard pressure. to be a soloist? Everyone yeah. talks about being a soloist is one of the hardest things. Even me, I was only there for like eleven months. You too as well, but mm-hmm. you were in core soloist moments for a longer time, yeah. which is a, sim- a similar feeling. You're mm-hmm. getting these opportunities, but you know, don't know if they're gonna really fully invest in you. Am I gonna get a part that's just for me that you made obvious you want me to do that, not just like conveniently covering someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So once you know they've invested in you and you're going to be one of those principal parts for them all the time and they, they've invested their time and focus on you, that takes some pressure away because you're like, okay, I, I don't have to prove myself every day. I've got their vote of confidence. But it does come with your own like wanting to maintain the standard and the legacy of what it means to be a principal dancer at New York City Ballet. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're in that soloist limbo, you're you're just like thinking, me, me, me. Like, what do I need to do? Mm-hmm. And, and what's how can my, I get there? How can I get there? And what's my best yeah. version of this instead of like, ooh, bigger picture, bigger legacy, bigger stamp on what you're leaving for the company and for, for history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a really great articulation because it doesn't belittle any of the other roles. It's just that there is, like when you're in the core, you do have to kind of, you want to prove yourself. You just got there. You're doing lots of different parts. Yeah, trying to make your stamp by just learning what the company's about and mm-hmm. dancing. And when you move to soloist, it is, it's tricky. The pressures there are like, where do you go from this foundation that you have as a core dancer? 
And yeah, are you going to rise? Are you going to stay? Yeah, that's the limbo of, of a soloist. Do they see more in me? And is it going to be consistent opportunities I get to prove to them that I can do this? And also what they see for you in terms of rep, you know, sometimes you have a different idea than perhaps what they see for you. And <laughs> yeah, for example, doing, all of a sudden you're doing you roles in that mind. You, <laughs> that Is there you, something recently, Isabella? I mean, I think it was a surprise for me in the fall to be doing Raimonda. I see. And I think that that perhaps under, you know, previous leadership under Peter, it was a short girl role and that's what I assumed it to be. And but then when I started doing the steps, I said, oh, like this is physically possible. I can do these steps. But it was just so not in my right, vision. In so your, mm-hmm. are you you must be Kira's height, though. Um, Did you guys compare? I don't know how tall Kira is. Maybe. She's a taller dancer. I think she's taller. Yeah. And oh, when she was here, are you asking, did we compare? Um, I think she's a little bit smaller, but yeah, similar height. In her heyday, she yeah. might have been your height, though. I think just from what I know the company Because it be. was me. Doing yes, it was <laughs> And I was rather and, short. And Lauren, but before I got in the company, I, I was the shortest person. Like, I mean, there was one other person mm-hmm. that was shorter, and that was it. But, like, Peter was not hiring short people, and then there was a wave of more petite dancers. Mm-hmm. So what I saw before was, like, yeah, taller. taller people. You know? Yeah, and so what I've seen is smaller, <laughs> and so that was my expectation. And it's funny, even another smaller girl role was Aurora and Sleeping totally. Beauty. Totally. I remember being in the school, and I was a court person standing, you know, on the side and in the back, and I got to see every cast do it. And I... I distinctly remember this thought of, wow, that ballet looks so hard. But good thing, no, 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 not that I never want to do it. I said, good thing it's never going to be in my rep. I'll never have to do it because I'm too tall. (laughs) That I remember having that thought. And so to think back on that and then to think that I actually had the chance to perform is just, it's, it's ironic. Funny. Yeah. yeah. It's so yeah. funny. Wow. But things do circle back, you yeah. know? Yeah. <laughs> There's absolutely. these full circle I said that moments. about theme. I When I did all my first roles, I was like, well, at least it's not theme and variations. And then once you get that role, you're like, well, now what do I compare it to? <laughs> yeah, I don't like, oh, have shoot. anything to, like, <laughs> rationalize this anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, don't you get into a dressing room when you guys become principal dancers? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. No one's really discussed or talked to me yet about you'll see, it. So. You'll find out in the <laughs> in the spring season when we start, but there's definitely space. There's at least, I mean, where are you now? You're not in the I'm in, core. What, what is that? Dressing room 19? Oh, you are in a core dressing room. So I'm room in the still. core dressing room yeah. upstairs. Yeah. yeah, at the very least, you'll move down to the second floor, but yeah. there's there's definitely two spots open. <laughs> oh, yeah. On the stage level. Oh, <laughs> Tyler Peck, and I, Tyler Peck and I have had empty rooms for the like whole last as, year. As a, yeah. you just by yourself. Yeah, Sterling left in December oh, right. and Tess left in the fall. Yeah. Uh, no, last uh, winter. Yeah. Winter 2022. Yeah, yeah so mm-hmm. she's had a, a room to herself for a while now. Oh, well, well Isabella, you can just space. Yeah, fit right in. <laughs> in. Yeah. Wow. That'll be nice. I guess, have you enjoyed, like, Megan, have you enjoyed no. having it or do you miss no. the core dressing room? I have, I mean, I've had a dressing room by myself since I was. 20. Mm-hmm. That's, I've spent my entire career, you know, and you're not, okay, you have a dressing roommate, but you're not necessarily with them all the time. And I don't know, just having one roommate, like you're not necessarily always in the same mindset of like chit chat. Mm-hmm. And I've always enjoyed going up to the core dressing rooms and just sitting and chatting with them on my like extra hour off before a mm-hmm. show. Being in a room by yourself is like not good for your 
anxiety totally. leading up to an important show. Mm-hmm. And I just like to go and chat and like laugh with people. And I've just always gone and visited. I go and get a coffee from someone's coffee machine and then I sit and drink it and, and we chit chat. And I need the socialization for me. Yeah. I felt very isolated as soon as I got promoted. My whole day was spent by myself. And I missed being with my friends. I was still very young. And and I got in with these people, and they were all doing things together. And I was, like, off in a room by myself with a partner. Kind of scared, too. And I just wanted that comfort of my colleagues. And I mm-hmm. never was in big core ballets and didn't have that feeling of Serenade and Stars and Stripes core. So that was the hard part for me was the day-to-day rehearsal experience of being alone and not like walking to a room with my friends that was something to get used to and and so for me I've always really enjoyed company class that's where I get to bond with the rest of the company that's why you'll always hear me talking in company (laughs) class because it's my chance to connect with everyone and you know if you're going to stay in a company for a long time you got to enjoy the people that are around you Mm -hmm. you can't just isolate yourself and for me, that's not a valuable experience to, to not be able to share, to pass on experiences, knowledge, laughter, kind of sharing like when we focus and when we get to like let down and just enjoy and giggle a bit. Like I think they're both important. Yeah, well, and that, that's a great point. When you're a principal dancer, you don't get the camaraderie of miss the group it so much. as yeah. much as you do when you're in the so core. Much. And again, it's like a, that trade-off where you're a core dancer and you're like, oh, I want to aspire to be a principal so badly. And I want, like, focused attention on myself as a dancer. Yeah, like, I need like the growth and coaching. And, yeah. Yeah, and all that stuff. But then uh, you don't realize that when you move through the ranks, it becomes more – it can Isolated. be lonely yeah. um, when you're up at the top. And, again, more intense pressure on you yeah. Yeah. instead of, again, remembering that bigger picture of, like, we are making a ballet. Together, yeah. Together. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Is that something you're finding, Isabella, or have Yeah, found? I think that's going to be a transition for me because I'm used to being around my friends. You know, we used to be dressing roommates sitting right mm-hmm. next to each other. And just that check-in, you know – how are you doing in between rehearsals is refreshing to get your mind off of just yourself. The rehearsal that you just had, was it good? Was it bad? What's next? You know, you just kind of get in this tunnel vision. But when you have people around you, you know, it's a little bit of a pleasant and nice escape to chat and see how other people are doing and, you know, have that laughter, have like those jokes that you can talk about. So I think it'll be a transition for me. And I think you know, I got a little bit of a taste of that during my shows of Aurora and Sleeping Beauty because they did put me down in a principal dressing room because of just all the nature of all the quick changes. There'd be yeah. no time to go upstairs to my dressing room spot. And, you know, in between intermissions, it was really weird to just sit in the dressing room by myself because that was my first time doing that. Mm-hmm. I was accustomed to, you know, if I had multiple ballets in the evening, You'd run back upstairs, you know, see a few people on your way, run back down. You'd go into the green room. It's such a... A ton of people are in the green room, you know. It's such a community. Yeah, and sometimes I'm not the most chatty one. I'll be a little bit more quiet, but just having that energy around me, you know, is it's nice. nice. It's, it's nice comforting. Distraction. Yeah, it's yeah. nice so, distraction. Yeah, so here I was in intermission sitting by myself, and I remember the first show didn't go amazing. I was just sitting by myself with my thoughts, and I was just like, this isn't fun. (laughs) You know, I just want somebody to be like, it's going to be fine. You're fine. Move on. And like have somebody to talk to about it and just be like, it's not a big deal. Let's move on. And, you know, go out there and you've got this or just, I don't know, like maybe they'll tell me a story about what happened during their show or, you know, the shows before. And there I was by myself. And I was like, 
I don't know if I like this. So <laughs> it'll definitely be an adjustment, I think. And like Megan was saying, probably seeking out <laughs> that community still and making yeah. sure that I don't stay <laughs> isolated. Yeah, like actively pursuing yes. that instead of just being like, oh, this is my life. I'm alone. Yes. Most of the time. <laughs> yeah. I got to deal with it. Like when yeah. I, like when we're at the Rose Building and everyone's stuffed into that little area with the couches together. You're thriving. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I go like, I go right in between everyone and I sit in the middle like, and I just like on? soak it up. And like shortly after that, everyone will leave and go to rehearsals, but I'm just like, I, I like you know, today. <laughs> get a little bit. I get, yeah, exactly. We were right there. I get a little bit of that like energy from everybody. I mean, I would explain to people listening, like it's like if you go to the gym and nobody else is there on a machine and you're the only person in the gym, the way the workout might feel is so much more punishing than if like everybody else is there mm. or you're like for a, a dancer that's listening if you go and have to do a bar by yourself versus going to a class and all experiencing the pain together there's just something that's motivating in the physical exertion of what we have to do when you have that group effort and you have to dig a lot deeper when it's just yourself yeah so that's that's something to get used to you know? Yeah, it makes it easier and it more joyful when you yeah. have the community. Oh, yeah, it's just like you got It's like a win-win. Yeah, yeah you just <laughs> ride the momentum of everybody's energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's somehow easier. You don't have to, like, feel every bit of pain. Mm-hmm. And, Isabella, you talked about, too, your injuries as being, like, a hardship that mm-hmm. you had to overcome. Mm-hmm. Could you, like, tell us about that and what you've gleaned from having those injuries and, and what your perspective is like now, mm-hmm. being at the rank that you're at, principal dancer, having had those challenges. Yeah, absolutely. Certainly it was a hardship and it wasn't easy. And like I said before, there are moments where I didn't think I was going to come back and I didn't know if I was physically capable of coming back. But I think it gave me so many tools that I use to this day. You know, the lessons, the exercises, the mental fortitude that I got through experiencing those hardships carries with me. Each how, and how every long day. were you out for your foot? Because I remember that being a long stretch of time. I was in and out so, so many times because I got misdiagnosed. I mean, it ended up being almost a year, year and a half. And, and wasn't that's it like a long time. Right at that's the very end, like when it seemed almost like it wasn't going to work? I, yeah, I think I remember this conversation yeah. I had with you. You were asking how I was doing, and I said, I don't know. I'm going to rehab again, and I might not be okay. I don't, like, doctors still aren't giving me the go-ahead that it's going to be amazing I might rehab and not be okay and need like a career-ending surgery and I rehabbed that time and my foot was okay and I kept going and I kept chugging and then that's when COVID happened um I see (laughs) I think just the strength and the knowledge the knowledge has been a little bit I feel like a secret weapon now it's Mm -hmm. you know I'm Mm -hmm. able to catch any little thing and like nip it in the butt before it becomes a big thing Prior like injury. You mean. Yeah, yeah, prior to that, you know, I'm hypermobile, so that means my ligaments are loose. So my muscles have to work overtime to support my bones and my joints. Mm-hmm. And that was a lot of why I was getting injured because I didn't have the deep intrinsic strength that I needed to support my bones and my joints because my ligaments weren't doing that. So somebody that's not hypermobile, you know, they their ligaments support their bones. And for me, I would just was wonky and, you know, everyone looked at me and saying, you're so strong, you're so strong, why do you keep getting injured? This is so confusing. But when you looked at it and you assessed the fact that I was hypermobile and I have big muscle strength, but I didn't have the deep intrinsic mm-hmm. strength, that's kind of what kept leading me to that cycle of 
injury and constant pain and mysterious injuries and why am I feeling this way? So figuring out that, that hypermobility and like the strength that I need to support that was just what unlocked so much for me and is knowledge that I use every single day to support my technique and doing these challenging ballets that Mm. I have to do. Do you have a rhythm now of certain exercises that you're like, I have to do these every day so that I can do my job? I was really regimented when I came back from my injuries about doing exercises every single day, but there was a point where my schedule just would not allow me to do anything more than what I had already been scheduled to do. You know, I was already so exhausted by the end of the day. I didn't know how on my lunch break I should be doing these exercises that I needed to do. So what I try to do is if I have a slower day, cross train in terms of Pilates or gyrotonics or, you know, just mat exercises, but there's not a consistent routine that I do every day because depending on my schedule, you know, I'm working 12 to 7 and on my lunch break I don't want to be doing exerting more energy than I already am and then sometimes you're having the show late at night so what's important is on my downtime is that I keep up with those exercises that I don't lose that strength when we're off and not in season and performing yeah that's kind of what I've learned (laughs) yeah all these things that yeah you learn slowly over time you don't really perfect them when you're 18 and get in the company even though like Ideally, you would want to, but if you don't have these hardships, you don't get the deep wisdom that -hmm. you can use for your own career, but then also pass down to the next generation. And I feel like I love, like, when somebody comes to me like, this is bothering me. I feel like I've been through everything now. Then I'm like, oh, this is what you need to do. This is who you need to see. This is what exercise you need to do. And people are like, oh, thanks so much. And I'm like, yeah, no problem. Like, No problem. It only took me, like, 15 15 years years, to, like, figure it out myself. So I I do, like you said, passing down that knowledge. I love sharing whatever kind of nuggets of wisdom that I've acquired through, you know, my own hardships. And I'm always so curious whenever somebody's hurting. Like, I don't mean to, like, butt in, but I'm just like, how can I – like, is there any way I can help, you know, because I really do feel like I've experienced a whole gamut of injuries. (laughs) Yeah. Do you ever think you would be like a physical therapist or something like that in the future? Yeah. Down the road, I've always considered, you know, being a physical therapist or I've always had interest in the medical field, but I'll have to see how this career plays out. <laughs> yeah. Totally. And then reassess because the schooling for that is clearly not easy. Oh, yeah. And I don't know, you know, at what point in my life do I want to go back and be a student for yeah, a chunk of time? four or five, mm-hmm. six, seven years, you know. I mean, it's amazing to see that some dancers have done that. You know, yeah. Liko comes to mind and yeah, Savannah and what a feat, you know, that they've mm-hmm. had both careers like that. Uh, so I think it's always something that I've had interest in and I think would be super rewarding. But logistically and realistically, I think, would, you know, I'd have to assess at that yes. point in my yes. life. And you don't need to. You just yeah. got promoted a principal yeah, dancer. Exactly. Yep. So hopefully this will be a fun question. What is one of your favorite roles that you've gotten to do? Um, I know, Isabel, you were just promoted principal dancer, but what is one of your favorite principal roles that you've gotten to do at New York City Ballet? I love Coppelia. In terms of dancing all night long, that's my favorite full length to do. Mm -hmm. And it's something that kind of was an important part of my journey. I was a, what was I? I was a 19-year-old core member, just newly 19, not Saratoga, and I had rehearsed it with Meryl that spring just Meryl to, Ashley. Yeah, just to yeah. cover for Saratoga. And then we got to Saratoga, 
And Rosemary told me, you're going to do all four of them. And I like that was like all of the shows of Coppelia. And I didn't know if I could even do one. <laughs> Two of them were in one day. <gasps> I did a matinee and an evening. It was probably hot outside. And it, it was crazy. And you have to walk up that hill to get to your car <laughs> yeah, afterwards. And everything, like, everything's just like difficult in Saratoga. <laughs> yep. But I was like... I'd been in the company for two years. Peter, like, was still learning, like, where I came from. He was like, you're from Pennsylvania? And I go, no. <laughs> like, they didn't even know who I was yet. It was just wild. And I, you know, met my partners, Benjamin Millipier and Damian Witzel. Like, I met them in the rehearsal. I had two different partners. And it was just, like, it was wild. And they went well. And I think that's another reason I got promoted quickly. I had already done a full length, like, while I was in the core. Right. And kind of yeah. saved saved their butts, you know. And it's just been something that fits me so well personality-wise, technique-wise. It's all of the steps I love to do. But also I really love hearing the audience laugh. And in the second act, she gets to be sassy and mm-hmm. do mean things to Dr. <laughs> Coppelius. And I just, I love hearing the audience laugh. So I like that it fills all the different moods, you know. Yeah. And it's a big full night where you you go home feeling exhausted and tired and like, yeah, I did something big. But it's also something like, you know, like I think we both like look at like Swan Lake or Sleeping Beauty. You kind of like look at that with apprehension because there's some... Moments that you really just have to have serious focus. And I just love every step of Coppelia. I don't feel nervous for it. I just jump into it. And that's a fun feeling. Yeah. yeah. To not have that apprehension. And it just feels yeah. so right for something. Mm-hmm. It's a yeah. good feeling. What about you, Isabella? Let's see here. I think probably Firebird mm-hmm. would be my favorite. Prior to doing my first performance of Firebird, I've experienced a few featured roles, but not a whole lot. And I remember in my first show realizing, wow, I really enjoy being a character. And I remember getting off the stage and saying, I really enjoy being a character. Because there's something less daunting mm-hmm. about going out there and embracing this story and portraying someone. It's harder to go out and be yourself and be sometimes. You. Oh, yeah. And, you know most of the roles that I had done prior, I was just being myself. And so to take on this, you know, other personality was really, really fun. And I love the steps. I love the music. Stravinsky's music is unbelievable. There is a little bit of a challenge where you feel like you're the only one that's like working hard (laughs) in the ballet. That's true. You know, everyone else shows up. Yeah, yeah, goofing up. The princesses show up, you know, two minutes before they go on stage. (laughs) That's true. That's a lonely feeling. Yeah. So it's a little bit like, wow. But at least your hard stuff is over right in the beginning. Mm -hmm. You know, the prince comes out and he searches with his arrow. And then it's interesting lighting, too. Do you like the lighting? Sets a good mood. It's not too bright where you feel like. You're being, it's jarring, mm-hmm. or you, you feel like deer in headlights, you know, it's it's nice lighting, beautiful costume, and just the arc of a firebird when you come out and you're all sprightly, and then at the end, you know, you have your final breaths and you're saying goodbye to the prince is just a beautiful way to end the ballet, and it's always nice when you're bowing and you're not just like huffing and puffing, and you, you kind of have an ex- a yeah. moment to refresh, and Certainly one of my favorites. It's a very special ballet, and especially with all the sets, the Chagall scenery yeah. and the costumes. Yeah. It's like it's like art on top of art on top of art. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then my last question for both of you is, 
What would you want to impart to a younger dancer? Or what would you want to tell yourself when you like had just joined the company that something you wish you knew when you were younger that you'd like to impart to younger dancers today who might be listening to this and also wanting to become a principal dancer in a ballet company? I think for me it's that no one expects you to have it figured out right away. You know, like I got all these parts like so young and I in being a perfectionist, it was like I put this pressure on myself that it had to be already just like this ballerina epic thing from the get-go. And, you know, I would read reviews and I wasn't like, it wasn't good. And I was like, not good enough yet. Oh, my God. And like, it's like I would just look back and be like, it's let it be a journey. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you have it all from the get-go and it's like all figured out already, like, where do you have to go from there? Like, what do you have left to discover? Like... And each season, I take a ballet that, for the most part, you know, I do things that I've done for a while. And each season, I take on a ballet that I I revisit it. And it feels comfortable and, like, I remember it. But it's also, like, some of the steps feel really new and different. And I get to experience it each season with a new lens, you know, and, like, a new filter So now looking back, I would be like, gosh, don't put that pressure on yourself for it to be this, Mm -hmm. like, legendary thing (laughs) the first time you try it. Like, Mm -hmm. go in as you. Give it all you've got. It's not like if you don't do it perfect in that show, they're going to take it away from you. Like, no one expects someone to just have it figured out right away. There is room for some exploration and what I think I did that probably held me back artistically for a while was that I squeezed that idea of perfection and and I limited myself in the exploring part because I was like I gotta hit these turns I gotta hit this I gotta hit that I'm stressed out with this partner Mm -hmm. I just gotta make this work and I didn't expand my body and open up and live Mm -hmm. and so it took me a while to get there where I was like oh now this is what it's about. And I, I probably held on uh, tight for a little too long, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, if I had been a little more open to the idea of making mistakes, I would have explored that first. But, you know, it, everything comes as it should come. Yeah. But looking back, that's what I would tell myself. Like, calm down about the technical stuff and just try to be in the moment. I would literally start ballets and be like, it's almost over. It's almost over. And mm. then I, after going to Broadway, I, I had a better mindset of just like, entertaining the audience and living in the moment and I started meditating that helped me a lot too just yeah. to not okay here comes that stressful moment that we never did in rehearsal here it comes here it comes yeah here it goes <laughs> you know <laughs> like that's how I would do my ballets yeah. and I would be like way in my head and and so meditation really really helped just get into more present place where you listen to the orchestra and you're like this is so gorgeous and everything that the audience is feeling and you got to kind of live in there with them and enjoy it more. So, yeah, yeah my 20s were rough. <laughs> I, I think for probably a lot of yeah. dancers, it can be rough. He's just trying to figure it but out. Yeah. yeah, when you're in the spotlight, it's hard to figure it all out. Yeah, it was overwhelming to figure <laughs> it out with the rank of principal. Yeah. yeah, and there's no one telling you what to do or how to do it. Well, there you were have to m- plenty of people telling me what to do, but oh. no one knows <laughs> what, what works for you. What exactly your body needs, needs to hear, yeah. except for you. And I've always said the stage was my best teacher. The experience of being on the stage, like, you just figure it out there in that moment. And no one could have prepared me for that. Yeah, which they is try precarious. To help people and, yeah, it is scary, yeah. But I've always said that's the best teacher. Yeah. And Megan, you've actually written a book 
called The Ballerina Mindset. Could you tell us about that and why you decided to write a book about this? Yeah. I think that, you know, as I look back at the beginning of my career, it was, like, filled with such, like, strife and stress. And I have come out on the other end, and I feel pretty well adjusted. And I, I just look back, and I'm a teacher at the school, too, and I just look back the at, school American Ballet. at the School of yeah. American Ballet. I look back at, you know, pre-professionals that age, and I just remember you don't know if you're going to get into the company. And then even if you get into the company, you don't know what's expected of you. And the whole thing can just be such an overwhelming time in life. And I felt like I had come full circle with all of my lessons, and I wanted to give back. And, you know, after my year on Broadway, I really kind of like literally found my voice and wanted to also debunk some ballet myths around our industry for people that don't really know. Because when you go to the Broadway world, you realize how everyone thinks what we do is center stage completely. (laughs) And it's got a lot of pretty universal truths happening, like lessons that we're learning and things that, you know, we're not like aliens being ballet dancers. It's it's pretty human experience. And I just wanted to kind of like break it down and make it not feel like such a mythological thing. Like we as principal dancers are just like, I just came from Utah and I just, you know, like, all, yeah. like I'm, I'm really just ordinary and I found something that I loved that I worked really hard towards and kind of just wanted to like bring it down a level mm-hmm. so that it was what we that what we do is more approachable and not so overwhelming and stressful to people when they look at that as a goal for themselves. And so the book is um, 10 different like kind of life lessons that I've could take away at this point from my career, you know, overcoming anxiety, working on, you know, not being so hard on yourself and being a perfectionist um, and staying well balanced what am I gonna do after I dance and it's like all of these just little snippets and really like a book for my younger self and the younger dancer and their parents you know? yeah yeah because it so, is a team effort to yeah build, to build a professional dancer. yeah and it's really it's through my lens as a ballet dancer but they're universal truths I've been hearing that like a mom reached out to me her son's in like high school sports and like he read it and like it's it's something that's helpful for anything that you're working towards that you really care about and that you're passionate about, which adds a whole new level of stress. Because when you, you care about the end result of your goal, it makes it so much more overwhelming to achieve it. And how do I do my best performance in this one moment in front of 2,600 people? Like that kind of feeling. Like how do I execute well in that moment and not be so much in my head? And how do I stay a well-rounded person through it all? Um, in a nutshell, that's what it's about. It, it was a fun journey to write. It wasn't um, something that was necessarily, like, beneficial towards me, but it was something that was, I feel good about putting out there. Yeah, you felt like it, com- it had to come out. It was, it was a, not a self-serving thing. It was, yeah. a, it was a thing to give to others. Yeah. That, that's really what, what the, the whole effort of it has been, something that I just can't keep to myself. I've got to share. Yeah, and it sounds like it already has been that, like, a gift and a resource to many and it uh, hopefully it'll continue to be that yeah. because it is a very I mean you're right but being ballerinas it's a kind of a lofty sounding term and people think that it's I don't know yeah like alien you use the word alien yeah but I mean we're all normal people we have again as we've mm-hmm. already talked about these struggles and you figure out ways to overcome them and then you just want to do your best yeah and like how do you do that 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we need tools and resources. Most of the time we need tools and resources like books and other things. Yeah, so. I use them too. And that yeah. was the other thing I kind of like talk about what things I read and what things I learned about that helped me and crystals and like, like, you know, I just like I've had different things during my career that like have helped me through things like imagery and stuff like that to like overcome stressful performances. Now I really land on meditation and that's something Mm -hmm. that that really helps me and I talk about how I came to that in the book too. So yeah, yeah, great. (laughs) I think to echo Megan a little bit is just try not to be your worst critic. You know, you often finish a performance and I think most dancers are perfectionists. That's how we make it this far. You know, you're always hungry to be better and work harder and make the performance better than the last. And, you know, you get so down and out sometimes on the smallest things, which clouds your ability to enjoy it and enjoy the experience and be happy afterwards. So I think just learning how to manage that perfectionism is something that I would want to just let go and that's what I I guess I would recommend. It's so hard when you finish a show and you're like oh that thing went so bad. And people can tell you you know it wasn't bad what are you talking about and what only you know like yeah you obsess over it more than anybody else mm-hmm. probably because ever you was. you know what you were capable of in rehearsal yeah. and you and want so you the audience and to contrast. see that. Yeah. 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 And I think another thing that would be important is just to, I guess, not compare yourselves. I think it's pretty easy, you know, growing up, you look at one dancer, well, she has this and I don't have that. And she has that and I don't have that. And I'm never going to have that. And just getting a little down and out and frustrated on yourself as well. And just embracing and harnessing the strengths that you do have and the assets that you do have and being proud of those and knowing that, like, you might not have it all, but you have some things, you know, that are going to take you far. So clearly you guys have so many talents and you've utilized them well so that you have been able to rise to the rank of principal dancer. And Megan being there for 18 years, like that's a, that's an incredible feat. <laughs> Obviously, time. you must be doing many things right if you're still there and you're <laughs> still like doing still doing like huge athletic artistic roles and um and for you Isabella like I'm excited to see starting out yeah (laughs) you're just starting out and like I I truly hope that you can and you both can like keep tapping into that freedom Mm -hmm. because you're, you're both right that it's not it's not just a physical art form there's so much like of your mind and your heart that mm-hmm. have to be well formed right. in order to do the physical yeah. demands and to share the artistry on stage. So anyway, thank you guys both for being <laughs> here and I hope that you have a great rest of your journey as principal dancers. Thanks, Claire. Thank Thanks for so having much. us. <laughs> it's good to see you. I heard you company. started a conga line. That was not me. That was Harrison Cole. Everyone said it was you, Megan. Oh, my God. That was hysterical. <laughs> I just copied Harrison Cole. Check the facts. <laughs>